We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your true faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle 3, West Ham 2. Another massive win for Newcastle United. A win that most likely takes them to Premier League safety and... If you'd have told me that anyway, what, three weeks ago when we played Brighton? Was it three weeks ago, a month ago, something like that? That in a, a few short weeks, every, all would be fine. Everything is absolutely fine. Newcastle are class and we're flying up the league. We've uh, we've dragged back the Titans that are Burnley and Brighton, pulled them below it in the table and we're heading to Anfield next week full of enthusiasm, Ben. Um, what impressed you about yesterday's win, mate? Um, I think... <sighs> You, you can see the the I think it's the realization from from Bruce that I mean all all this talk about sort of being front for football or playing play more progressively and, and all these things that he's talked about um, that really the, the the fans have never been demanded and there's there's this thing that everyone says oh the, the fans just want good football no we want to see the, the team competing and and, and sort of competing in games um, and it doesn't always have to be brilliant and I think. He's, he's got the realization of what he's got with this squad, and, and it's what how, how the previous manager played with him is that it's it's about minimizing your mistakes, um, not trying to go toe to toe with teams, working with what you've got, and, and getting the best out of the moments and matches that, that, that you can create. And we've got a couple of players in the team that are moments players. Alan Maximan is obviously the um, the chief architect of, of that, but I mean. He got plaudits for for his, his contribution in the last game. It really, it was only a ten minute spell that he came in and kind of blew that game open, but it was enough to to win the game. And um, as I say, it, it, we kind of had it again yesterday. Obviously, really, really fortunate two two first goals to get um, massive, massive mistakes from West Ham. But the, the thing that pleases was when obviously they go down to ten men, and there's there's obviously expectation that you, you're going to see the game off, and, and it was looking comfortable. We we obviously lose the two goal lead and kind of a, a bizarre sort of capitulation to, to get back to two two, but to to react and and for the for the players to 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 come back and and that this team obviously the way the season's gone they could have easily rolled over and we've, we've seen it in plenty of games. I mean the the big one for me was the the Leeds United game and we we were at two two in that game and we lose that five two. This was a very different reaction from the team. We came back and and it's a hell of a goal from Joe Willock. Great delayed run into the box and a fantastic header. Um, and we managed to hold on. And yes, there's, there's, we're against ten men, and obviously um, West West Ham just had one of those games where the, 
it was completely <laughs> different to what they've been playing the last few games. But you've you've got obviously um, you can only beat who you, you're playing. But um, I just thought it was a really really positive um, performance. Richie, I thought had a really good game. I mean, the ball in for Willock at the end was was brilliant. Obviously, <laughs> he had his mistakes as well defensively, and, and he's not. We we all know he's not a left back, but. What he can do is, is play as an attacking wing back in terms of getting forward, and that's kind of the gamble you've you've got to have. And um, while it might not have led to solidity in defence, it was um, it, it was a great ball in. I think um, Joe Joe Willock came on and had a really good good impact. Um, I, I just think the team are kind of settling into more of a, a an idea of what how how we're going to play. And <laughs> there was a couple of things like the I mean Andy Hinchcliffe saying, "Oh, they finally." realized what their um what what their system is and all that but didn't go into what that was and i, I think it was a bit of a sort of a very generous um kind of thing to say oh everything's resolved now we all know what's going on i don't think we're at that stage yet at all but i think at least the players are getting comfortable with with who the, the, the first team is and, and how they're all playing together and what people's roles are um and as i say i, th- I think they've realized as long as we've got maximan and, and the likes of wilson in the team you, you just need those moments to go right for you and, and it's kind of just about staying in games and that's what Newcastle over the last few years have been good at is battling and staying in games and then taking the opportunities um, and I think we'll find that back where that maybe went a bit missing earlier on in the season. Just for some context then and I agree with everything you say there Ben we're going to get into some of those performances of key players later in the show that was the first time that West Ham had uh, lost in the league to a team uh, basically outside of the top six since the second Premier League game of the season when they lost 2-1 at Arsenal the week before they lost to us. So I have to I have to give a lot of credit to the to the manager and the players purely for the result. The result is excellent. To, to beat that West Ham side, fourth in the league and fourth in the league on merit, um, in fantastic form, been playing really well, been scoring goals, been defensively solid for, you know, particularly in the first half of games. We're going to get into kind of how much of it was Newcastle United and how much of it was West Ham. But you have to say it's a superb result to to win that game 3-2, regardless of how we got there. Um, I think we kind of talked at the the end of the Burnley podcast, didn't we? That it's not so much how you play at the minute. When you're in our position, and let's face it, we're, we're, what, we're 15th in the league and the two teams below have got games in hand. We're still bottom feeders almost you've just got to win these kind of games don't you and and they did win so they deserve credit for that i thought we're getting relegated i've said it many times on the show we're not getting relegated it's done uh you know even though we've got difficult fixtures coming up i think at the time of recording fulham play arsenal this afternoon um and if even if they get a draw in that game they're just going to be so far behind us with uh what they have um five games to play they're going to be maybe three to four wins behind us, even though one of the games is against us. It just it just seems like it's done, lads. Um, Sai, um, I'm pro- probably fair to say you're Bruce's biggest critic on the podcast. The Norman probably fight you for that honour. Um, you know, how did you say yes to Sai? What did you take from the game? I don't want to. Um, I don't want to get into a, a Bruce gets zero credit because we've won the game, and at the end of the day, he gets he gets credit for the results uh, because he gets all the. Uh, all the anti-credit for, for the uh, shit show that goes on most weeks. Um, I would say that I wasn't really impressed with us after after we took the lead, basically. Um, we were the better team up until the point where we got a, a fortunate goal, albeit we were the better team and um, we were managing the game well from the start. So I think we'd set up 
correctly for this game. I mean, we all, um, and I know you especially, Alex, aren't a fan of five at the back and we don't win many games like that. You could argue we didn't need to win this. We just needed to get something out of it um, to to do a job here uh, against a very good West Ham side who, like you've said, have, have had an exceptional season. Um, five at the back was probably the right call. Uh, I think with the only change I would have made is Willock would have had a longer amount of time on the pitch, but um, keeping them out and looking to catch them on the counter when we've actually got players like Maxman and um, <clears throat> Amir on the pitch will work in this sort of game. And that's how you would approach a team who are in the top four normally. Um, and yes, West Ham aren't as good as Chelsea, Man City, even Liverpool, you know, when they're not having a mare. Um, so uh, that, that's fine. We, 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 we started well and fair play to Bruce and Jones or whoever's set that team up and for making the right call on Longstaff, making the right call on um to be fair to Maximan, I've never been a fan of him as being part of a front two, which he kind of was. It worked. He was he was our outlet. He was our only outlet, which is a worry. And um, I'm sure we'll come on how important he has been and will be for us. But yeah, um, I think what showed again, and we've talked about it week on week on week, was in-game management. So as soon as West Ham had to adapt to the fact that they were down to 10 men, you know, how often do you get an own goal and a red card at the same time just to just to take all the pressure off? It was it was very nicely timed, and Bruce's luck is certainly back. But um, to be to be gifted uh, the the second goal, um, I think that was against the runner play. I think the game had started to, to turn around a bit, and by half time, um, we weren't really sure what to do. Uh, we're two 0 up. I don't I, I don't care who the opposition is when you're two 0 up against a side um, who are down to ten men. Anyone should be able to see out that game. And yes, these things happen and, and teams and a, and a Moyes team at that, very organised and came out intent on trying to get something out of the game. And I think maybe that caught us off guard. I think even Bruce and maybe some of the players probably thought job was done and we looked like we'd just pied it and thought, well, we'll see this. That'll be easy. And um, we absolutely shouldn't. We um, shouldn't do that. It's really unprofessional, I think, as you coming during the game, Alex. Um, and our inability to to do anything about the sustained period of pressure that for the first 30 to 35 minutes of the second half was, was embarrassing. It was embarrassing against 10 men. It was awful to watch. And it just reminded us that even when we get it right by the end of the game, it feels like we're getting it wrong again. And, and that still really, really bugs me. I think um, Ben, I'll just, uh, you mentioned Andy, Andy Hinchcliffe there talking about the players getting used to the system. Like, look, the reality is, and if you look at you know the evidence from Burnley and from yesterday, the the system is Alan San Maximan, isn't it? That is the system, right? Um, the reality is, he's so absolutely wonderful of a footballer that he almost bridges the gap on his own from Bruce's lack of you know lack of sort of tactical capacity as a manager. It's like yes, I'm on his own more or less, just bridges that gap. He's he's absolutely everything in there. I'll, I'll launch into some positives in a minute, but what I would say is if I was Al- Al- um, Alan San Maximan, I think I would have been demanding a move at half time yesterday. Like basically saying, look, like, uh, look how good I am. Yeah, either double my wages now or I'm off. And, uh, and I think if I was him as well, I'd be thinking, do I really need to spend another year under Steve Bruce when, when clearly he is a kid who I think, I think he'd be pushing for a starting place in any team in the Premier League. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I really don't. Um, I see him at City up front. Uh, in a front three at City, and he would just wreak absolute havoc. Um, so I obviously, if Pep's listening, mate, there you go. Yeah, you can have that one for free. I'll answer Max on young lad, keep your eyes on him. Um, the uh, but the, the positives here from yesterday, you know what I liked, right? And Sai, you're absolutely spot on about the 35 minutes in the second half where we were 
shot. I mean, shocking, right? It was it was terrible. I don't know what was said at halftime, but it clearly wasn't the right thing. Um, one, I would counter that ever so slightly by saying that, you know, sometimes, and this isn't necessarily defending Bruce, but I will say that sometimes players automatically will kind of, in a high-pressure game like this with the three points of vital, they're tuning up, they're down to 10 men. I guess on a subconscious level, some players might drop off. Um, I've been speaking to a, a couple of West Ham fans, a mate, one of them a mate of mine, and he said West Ham tend to to do the same thing when they got a couple of goals up and Moyes has been on the sideline screaming at them to keep pressing, screaming at them. They just haven't been listening because it's almost been like a, a kind of, as I say, like the subconscious dropping off. And that might have happened yesterday. I mean, obviously, we, we didn't see Bruce on the sidelines screaming at them to push forward. So so maybe there's um, more to it than than it just being the players. But in terms of positives, right, the what I like yesterday about that lineup is regardless of what the formation might be, regardless of the fact, and you've mentioned, Ben, that Richie was basically targeted in the second half, right? That's how the pitch was targeted. That's where they got that that joy from. But from an attacking perspective, he was excellent. And this ties into Murphy, ESM, Longstaff, Almiron. These are positive players. Like Those players like the drive forward and they try to make things happen. And and I really like that. So whatever a couple of them might lack in, you know, overall ability, it's the mere fact that they, they are for want of better words, front foot footballers in many respects. And I think in the first half, we we saw that. And obviously in, in the last uh, 10 minutes as well. And and that's a real positive. And I think, you know, you look at the team and the squad and you think, you put Henrik and Hayden in that team yesterday and you take a couple of those players out and it's a totally different team. And that's not me saying that. I mean, Hayden's been a very important player for Henrik, we know, isn't particularly good. But the that sort of positivity, I thought, was was there yesterday. And, and as I say, the players who, who want something to happen, and I'd even say to a certain extent, LaSalle's isn't in the side at the minute. Kieran Clark being in there for the ricks that he's got in him, even he attempts to bring the ball out from the back, and we saw that a couple of times yesterday. So that, that for me, was a real positive. There was a, there was a positivity around it. Obviously, the Burnley result helped massively. ASM has given everyone a lift clearly. Seeing Wilson on the bench is huge for everyone. So there were, there were positives. And I think, as you see, Alex, it's a done deal now. Even if we lose our next three games, if three points are necessary, we'll get them against Sheffield United. I don't doubt it for a second. Yeah, well said. And I want to talk about Alan Maximan with 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 Ben Asai in a bit, but I just I just want to the kind of the elephant in the room, isn't it? Is is that second half performance? And I agree with you. And I'm going to get into the coaching staff and the manager in a sec. But I think the players have got to take responsibility somewhat. Now, West Ham's first goal. There's a, the lad who crosses the ball for a bonnet to score. There's three lads near him who don't who don't even try and stop a cross. Like this is the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? You, you can't just let lads cross the ball from any position they want. Eventually, if it wasn't that one, it would have been another one. If that makes sense, that that's a that's a mentality issue. That I'm going to talk about formation and, and other stuff now, but that, that that is a pure mentality issue. And I agree with you about Jamal Lascelles, and I think the back three are doing really well. I think Paul Dummett maybe doesn't. You know, I think if you were to put Fabian Scherer ahead of Paul Dummett, even though Dummett has been defending great, really good, but he keeps giving the ball away <laughs> a lot. Um, I think I think what we missed yesterday from the Sells was leadership. Shelby's captain, you're not going to bollock himself, is he? Because he didn't close down that cross. So if, he, if he's not doing the basics, he kind of be screaming at other people. It was only Martin Dubravka, really, who was fuming after the goal. Quite right. You know, people, a couple of comments said, you know, he struggles sometimes, Dubravka, to his left. Um, you know when the when the ball bounces and there's a couple of goals you, you could say you should have saved. But if you're, got, if you're going to give lads free headers in the 18 yard box, they're going to score goals. So that was really disappointing, and I, and I think the players have to take some of the responsibility there on that one. Um, but it, but it comes back to it, and, and this is maybe the interesting thing about the result. 
is what we've probably seen yesterday is, is, is the ceiling of Newcastle United under Steve Bruce. Um, so West Ham, I'm not going to disparage them or say they're not as good as Liverpool because they're currently better than Liverpool at the minute. Um, I wonder whether Newcastle would have taken such a proactive approach against a Man City or a Man United at home because what, what was good about yesterday and we played this five at the back formation which has been so passive and listless and pointless was that we did get them a bit. We did put them under pressure. We did press them. So what you, that's what you want to see. We forced them into mistakes. If you look at Craig Dawson, um, and that was, by the way, the first red card of his career. <laughs> like, it's absolutely mental that as a, as a, as a defender. Um, yes, he makes an error, but there has to be a player there near him to capitalise on it. Whereas too many times in the past, we've had like 10 players camped outside our own box not getting up the pitch, not trying to press anyone. So fair play to Bruce for that. And, you know, we always, we're always we always going to speculate, you know, when he writes, well, it seems that he writes off these games. You know, when we play Man City at home, will the approach be the same? I really hope that it is because West Ham are a good side and that was a good win. Um, but we only had 35% possession against a team with 10 men for 50 minutes of a game. Like that, That's a concern for me. And and I think that's the problem after half time. If you're going to play, press the ball, but play counter-attack in football, it's like that. I don't know, I think it was you, so I said it, that in-game management of does it need a formation change? Do we need to bring on Callum Wilson at half-time? Do I have to, you know, th there wasn't any real recognition there that we have to adapt. It was like, right, West Ham are fucked. 2-0 <laughs> down, down to 10 men. West Ham were always going to come out in that second half, all guns blazing. They were going to have to come out and play it at 150% of their first half performance because if they didn't, they could be humiliated. And that's that's the mentality, I think, that West Ham have at half-time is the game's done, but we don't want to get humiliated, go out and restore some some passion and some pride. Whereas we come out in the second half, Steve Bruce had the post-match interview, the players did the opposite of what he said, which is a bit concerning, but we'll part right for now. Um, and, and it's like, well, I told them to attack them. And it's like, yeah, but if you don't have the ball, you can't attack. And, and, and like Norman correctly said, that that, man, that little switch off, the mentality of kind of, oh, everything's fine, we don't need to close down, we don't need to press, that goal was coming. And that's, so you have the lack of reaction at half time about how can we change to turn the screw, but also the lack of reaction when that goal was coming. And it's in, and that's the concerning thing. When I talk about the ceiling under Bruce, you can, we can, you know, we might go, to, I hope we'll go to Liverpool and play really well and, and do the same. No reason to say we can't win at Liverpool, Brighton will at Liverpool, Fulham will at Liverpool. We should not be going there. And doing anything but playing the same, but being really positive in our approach. The concern is that, and, and it, it's almost like you're that newly promoted side again. Like you aren't going to be able to beat lots of teams in the Premier League with 35% possession. It's just not going to happen. And the fact that they weren't able to change things yesterday is a concern moving forward. But we'll, we'll, we won the game. That's the main thing. And we're going to get into some more positives after that. But Ben, you want to say something? Uh, just on on that point. Um... It's it, you're spot on in terms of that. Really, we we needed to react to that to that send it off, and I think this is where it comes back to the formation. And we've obviously been critical about the, the five at the back. And you, you're probably right, Si, in terms of it, the way we approached it. And, and that's the thing. It's not just when when we criticise the formation. It's not just the formation. It's how you tell the players to set up and how they they react in that formation. Because you can you can play a back five and play it a, a, plenty of different ways. If you're telling your wing backs to push on then it's very different to saying we're just going to sit in line of five. But I think the problem yesterday was we had, if, if there was opportunities there to adapt without changing too much, we, we kept the, the sort of the three centre-backs when really you probably could have pushed Dummett out to play a flat back four and, and pushed Richie on to make the, mid, the midfield. And I think that's where the kind of disappointment comes from was that 
we had that game in the bag at 2-0, half-time. I mean, you only had 45 minutes to see out against 10 men. We didn't change our approach. And, and that's the worry is that it's it's almost like they didn't... They might have seen it and they, they might... I mean, he's, he's saying that the players didn't um, didn't listen to what, what the instructions were. But, I mean, he didn't change the formation. He didn't do anything to combat how they were playing. And, and that's the concern for me was we, we just left everything pretty much as it was. Okay, they might have wanted to, to men, uh, sort of um, amend the mentality of some of the players in terms of the pushing on and stuff. But you can't help, like, if you've told the players all week, if, if that's what's been going on, to play in that formation a certain way, then it's it's not as simple just to, to say, right, you've got to switch switch, switch and stop playing and, and doing things differently to, to what we've been working on. So I think what would have helped with that would have would have been change the, the back four because you talk about, and you, you've mentioned there about Dummett, and I'm, I'm not necessarily um, want to put it all down him, but Dummett isn't a, a player that's going to make up that that difference when you've got the ball and, and he's, he's not comfortable on the ball. And so really we should have, our back three should have had all of the ball that second half really without any any trouble yet. You've got players that aren't necessarily comfortable on it, and I think that's where you, the change should have should have come in was either. And, and I'm not saying I would have taken Dummett off, but I just think you could have adapted the formation to utilise that additional man advantage. And I, I think that's where, unfortunately, we we sort of shot ourselves in the foot a bit. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I'm, I was trying to racking my brains to think of other times we've played five at the back against ten men, and it's gone well. I can only really think of Huddersfield at home and on Miguel Almiron's debut. Huddersfield, of course, much, much worse team than uh, West Ham. But what, what we did that day is basically when they went down to 10 men, we pushed right up to the halfway line. Yedlin and I think it was Richie that day, um, basically were the two, consistently the two furthest forward players so that Huddersfield's wingers had to constantly drop back and track them. Then you had um, Rondon, Almiron and uh, Almiron and Perez, Perez constantly bursting into the box. So Huddersfield just couldn't get out and the game was over. West Ham were a much better team and you also have to give West Ham, listen, we're, we're criticising Newcastle's response. You have to give credit to Moyes and West Ham for, for the response. De- dead easy thing to do there and, and, and you can tell they're a well-coached and well-motivated team because they came out and, and, and did their best work when when the easy thing to do. I mean, I would hate to see us down, 2-0 down, half <laughs> time with 10 men uh, and our response second half. I, I doubt it would be similar, but fair play to West Ham. It's, it's not all about that. Um, I want to talk about a couple of players now, lads. So, so, so whoever wants to jump in, I'll tell you what, we'll start with, with Alan St. Maximan. He's the main one. I put a tweet out yesterday saying, I think he's the best player outside of the top six. It's dead weird. You get these fans of the clubs piling in saying, well, what about Jack Grealish? What about, you know, and it's like, yeah, like these are all dead good players. It's um, it, it's it's an opinion. But I think, and you know, lads, disagree if you feel, but I feel like, and I don't want to hype them up too much, but if you if you look at his involvement, what you know, if you what, what, his last games that he played for us, he played he was he played against Southampton, didn't he? Um, he set up set up a goal. Um, he comes back against Burnley. He comes back against Spurs. Like the difference he makes to Premier League games, um, and, and and Grealish might be the same for Villa, but I just don't think there's another player in the Premier League who can do what he does at the minute. I don't think there's a single other player. Who can who can scare the opposition to like he does? He puts players on their arse, and, and and he's got that end product now. Um, although he didn't get the goal yesterday, I thought you know the Carlton call at, at half time criticised the shot. It wasn't a great shot. It was it was a brilliant shot? 
you know, he, he picks the ball up basically on the halfway line. Um, there's a, that's not a goal. He hasn't we haven't been gifted a goal as soon as Dawson gives the ball away there. There's a hell of a lot to do. He manages to, you know, have Mark Noble's pants down. Noble should maybe just foul him, but then he's thinking Dawson's getting sent off here. We can't go down to nine men. Um, and the shot beats the keeper and forces the own goal. But I honestly think he's he's too good for Newcastle. I hope I'm wrong, Si. What, what did you make of his performance? No, I agree. Um, I, there's literally nothing, and this is the worry I'm sure we'll come on to the, the bigger picture, but there's nothing um, for him to gain from sticking it out at Newcastle United if, if this continues the way it is. Uh, he, he is. He's much, much better than us. He's a, he's a better player than I've probably given him credit in the past. I didn't think he was a finished article. Um, he probably still isn't. I think he's a massive confidence player. I think he relishes coming back and people looking to him and, and the buzz that is created by him coming back on the team from, from an injury. And I think uh, that shows in the lift that the rest of the team get from him being on the pitch. Uh, and in his own performance, uh, he plays without pressure. He plays without fear when he's come back in. I think the only time we started asking questions about him was uh, when it was all really pretty toxic before... Um, you know, the, in the first half of the season and uh, his, his form dropped and his confidence dropped and then there was questions there, is he really as good as we think he is? But when he comes back in the side and everything's positive again and he's playing with confidence to the point where he's just running at West Ham players and they're all absolutely terrified of him. You know, when you're putting that kind of fear into your opposition, there's only a, a very small number of players that can really do that. You, you, you know you've you've got a, a really good player there and yet... Um, Every every chance we created in, this, in the first half yesterday was was him. Every time we needed to get out of danger, it was him. He'll he'll do a turn on the ball. He'll create a bit of space and relieve so much pressure. Which in the in the period he's not been in the team, we've had so little of that. So little breathing space for the defence. You know, if we lose the ball, we'll give it straight. Uh, sorry, if we get the ball back, we we'll give it straight back. But with Maximan and having some outlets like that. We get the ball back, we give it to him. He gives us a bit of breathing space, he gets in the half. It doesn't always come off, but the that in itself gives the whole team a chance to get at the pitch a bit. It, it stops us from being so hemmed in, which is why five at the back has been so unsuccessful previously because we end up just stuck literally in our own box. Having a player like Maximani who can carry the ball 30 yards um, changes that whole dynamic. And, and the, yeah, um, he's, a, he's a joy to watch and he actually makes watching... Steve Bruce's Newcastle United enjoyable again. So uh, if that's not something, then I don't know what is. Bang on. He's um, he's absolutely magnificent. I guess the only count I would put your opinion, Alex, of him being the best player outside the top six is that we haven't seen Sam Maximan have a good run of games. I don't think he's played. Has he ever played more than like five consecutive matches? Um, this is what I'd like to see. Obviously, you know, if you're getting... Maximan on a run of, like, let's say, 15 starts, right? And out of those 15 starts, you're basically getting, like, 10 performances like you got yesterday. Then that That's a player who is genuinely got potential to be, like, world-class. That's not an exaggeration because his performances, um, after coming on against Burnley, after uh, starting yesterday, they're, like, they're so ahead and shoulders above anyone else on the pitch. And that includes the opposition that you can just tell there's something there. Obviously, what he needs is... I suppose what we need to be able to say that he's, he's as good as what we, what we feel he is, is that run of games... And obviously, we, we saw him hobble off yesterday, right? That's always a concern as well, that you get the impression that he might be he might be an injury-prone player. Alternatively, it might be something to do with the conditioning and the fact that he's been rushed back from injuries like on two or three occasions throughout his time in Newcastle, right? Um, and I think uh, Grealish, look, I'm not going to get into a Jack Grealish uh, love fest here. I just think he's an out-of-this-world footballer. Um, totally different to ESM 
both equally spectacular. But um, I think I was going to dive into Matt Ritchie there, but size stuck up anyway quickly on his fitness. So you go, Sai, and I'll, uh, I'll follow you in a minute. Yeah, I just I, I think yeah, you're right. There's always a concern there, and he never seems to finish a game without looking like he's he's picked up something or, or a knock. But I think there's probably more carrying the ball 30 yards is absolutely knackering. Anyone who's played football, like running with the ball, and the amount he does it, and the amount of reliance we have on him to pick up the ball and do stuff like he doesn't get much breathing space during the game. Like he does run himself ragged. I also think, and um, there was a couple of uh, hard tackles on him. A player like that attracts tough challenges and. It's the only way to deal with them, isn't it? Just to, to let him know you're there. So he does get he gets whacked a bit. So throughout the course of the game, um, it's going to happen. He's, he's he, um, he probably I don't I don't know how they work on that. Do they work on his strength? Do they work on his conditioning? Do they because um, you don't want to take away his he's, he's really nimble on his feet, so you don't want to take that away. But yeah, I think it's it's how matches go when he's your only outlet um, is that he will get targeted for for. Grief basically, and he, and he has to do a lot of work during the time he has the ball. So, there's it's probably not so much injury proneness as a, um, a circumstance of of who he is as a player. Well, I mean, I guess yeah, the the fact that he has been relied on so much is always going to make him more susceptible to injuries, right? If there were like two yeah. or three players in the side alongside him, that could take you know some of the burden off him. Then it might make a difference to his to his injury record. Ultimately, yeah, you're probably you're probably right there, mate. Um, I think uh, West Ham did target him. I think. In the first half, I think Kufal went through him very early on, right? And it looked like he might actually get taken off at that point. But after that, they just they just couldn't live with him. Um, and obviously, Dawson getting sent off helped as well. It's not like they're going to start trying to smash into the tackles once they've gone down to 10 men. But on other players, uh, Matt Ritchie, look, we've already mentioned him briefly. I think the second half, as I say, his lack of ability defensively and you know his lack of height basically meant that West Ham were pretty much popping balls up onto the right-hand side of the pitch. I thought Bowen, Bowen in the second half, his influence grew massively on the game. Um, kind of reminds me a bit of... Craig Bellamy, um, minus the, you know, minus the attitude, um, the bad attitude. I think Bones, Bones a really good player, and he was one of the better performers yesterday. And I think obviously that, yeah, he was he was targeted, but from a from a, a good like a sort of goal scoring chances um, perspective, he he just he creates things right. He creates things. He can he can take corners. His crossing is absolutely fantastic. We've seen it on numerous occasions. You know that the, the Willock goal yesterday, that cross was just dug out perfectly. Um, and I think also. His, we've said this before, right? In a, in a relegation battle, like that personality, that leadership that he provides, and okay, the leadership might be, you know, screaming in people's faces, but in a relegation battle, sometimes you, you need that. And I think Richie has proven to be an incredibly important player. And what I also like is the fact that after this fallout with Bruce, he hasn't let that impact him at all. He's, he's come back and he's doing his job. He's they're doing a professional job. There's no tantrums. There's no huff. It's it's he's in the team. And he's doing what he's been put in, put in there to do. And I think, obviously, you know, we're not going to... Matt Ritchie isn't the long-term future at Newcastle United, right? But right in the situation that, that we're in right now, I think he's, he's a real asset. And there's nobody else I'd rather have in that role than him, precisely because of what he can offer us from an attack and, and a, a leadership perspective. Just on that leadership there, um, Norman, sorry. Just, I, I, you spot on, like, you, you can't play with someone that fired up and that aggressive and, and sort of be as passive and sort of play care. Do you know what I mean? For, for, for people like, I mean, I would say, again, I'm not picking on Dummett here, but Dummett is quite a sort of a, a placid character. He seems very level-headed and and there's there's good things about that. But like that, the, having Richie sort of alongside him and, and flying attack on things, that's that's going to sort of raise his game and, and his aggressiveness, I think, is, is sort of the key point. And I think 
that's probably where we were lacked a little bit yesterday was was that aggression in terms of and I'm not talking about going in and flying into tackles. It's just what we've already talked on, when there's mistakes, being there to pounce and, and get on it. And obviously that's where the, the Dawson um red red card came from was was we were aggressive enough and and there to to nick the ball. Um again the attitude when when we've we've kind of let the goal slip and you, you could see it was interesting. They commented about the the penalty where they were saying, "Oh, none of the Newcastle players sort of reacted to it or anything." Well, the, it goes back to the the camera end. Who's the man there kicking off of the ref? It's Richie. Richie was signed, kind of the only one that kind of reacted aggressively to that and tried to sort of argue it again. And 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 it, and look what happens. He's the man that gets the ball on the left and and, and does something about it and, and whips a brilliant ball in to, to create the goal score the, the goal scoring chance. So, um, I think you, you're spot on. He's he's his character for this team is is like massive, and we we've always said there's there's a few characters in this team where the, maybe their ability doesn't match that, but they're they're crucial when it comes down to the nitty gritty. When we're in these relegation battles, these are the players that, that get us out of it. Really quickly from me, that penalty is bollocks. I'm not having it. It's it's, I agree. it's it's what's wrong with VAR. Listen, it went against us, so maybe I'm biased, but it didn't. It did not impact remotely impact. What was happening in the box? The chance you would have headed the ball if it didn't hit his arm. None of the players appealed for it. It was it it was like almost an out of game experience. Um, and I keep referring to this on VAR. If you go to the Premier League website and you go to the VAR section, I'll read it for you word for word. VAR can be used to overturn a subjective decision if a quote clear and obvious error end quote has been identified. Is that a clear and obvious error from the referee not being able to say that? Um, at full speed, is it bollocks? It's a it's a load of shite. Um, and yes, I'm bitter. It went against us, but when you start getting penalties given against you that the players aren't aware, and I've watched it back a couple of times, not a single West Ham player appeals for it. It's it's almost it's 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 not it's not the game that I fell in love with, Norman, because he wants to disagree. <laughs> right. So it's not like a wholehearted disagreement. What I will say, right, is that. One of the issues I have with it is the inconsistency. So you look at the Burnley match of the week, right? Um, when oh, great, I think Tarkovsky puts his boot on Longstaff's heedred. That's a pen. I mean, there's just that guy's devour and how that's given is a pen. I don't know. So if you if you're not given that when somebody has got that foot up that high on someone's heed, and then you're given what happened yesterday as a pen, then it, there's an issue there, right? There's an issue with the consistency amongst the referees. Like they're they're all like you know working from different hymn sheets, right? But what I will say on that particular penalty yesterday, look. I agree, like, there was no intent really from Clark, right? But I suppose in, in the rules of the game, like, Suchek would have won that header, right? That ball was on Suchek's head. Clark wasn't going to reach it with his head. His, his arm was literally over the top of Suchek's head. And if his arm hadn't been there, Suchek could have flicked it on. I'm not saying that, like, you know, a goal would have scored. I'm not saying that it was a clear goal-scoring chance. But at the same time, like, I suppose the fact that it's hit his arm on top of Suchek's head, Suchek would have won the ball. I can see why the penalty was given. My issue is, is that the inconsistency of how things are awarded with VAR it just means that it's it's a, it's just exactly what humans are like. It, it's like mistakes. We've got VAR, but people are still making mistakes and it just seems pointless. This is the thing. Was it a clear and obvious error from the referee? Because I don't think it was. I don't think the, I don't think a referee can see that and, and give it confidently real time. So no, how I agree, it be, I agree with you. How could it be a clear... And, and you're, you're spot on. Longstaff was a clear and obvious <laughs> error from the referee. I'm only applying the Premier League's own rules to the decision making and you are you are right you've just got these are just people ultimately trying to implement an imperfect system but you know West Ham deserve to be back level so that's not me gripe it's not it's not that it was against us I just feel like 
I just feel like it's when when you it's like trying to find th- penalties. We're trying to, you know, they're trying to find reasons to disallow allow goals. They're trying to find reasons to give penalties. To me, that's not football. But we'll crack on because we've still got loads to do. Uh, Sai, you wanted to talk about uh, Matt Ritchie. Uh, the moment's probably gone. Uh, the, the penalties uh, was probably a far more um, contentious point. But yes, I, I think they've followed the rules of the game. And that's what they'll they'll fall back on for that one. But then the rules of the game are you can't kick a bloke in the head as well. So uh, it's just yeah, yeah, it's the consistency and and the uh, reasons for using VAR, which I am still not, not clear on because for offsides they use it literally for a scientific decision on on whether a player is offside. For handball, it's if there's a hand and if they can prove it's a hand, it seems to be scientifically used to to do that. But then you could literally see the foot connect with with Longstaff's head last week. So. They're not. They're not using it scientifically. In that point, they're still using interpretation. So, yeah, it's a, it's it's a stupid one. Um, I just I saw some stats this morning on seventy four percent or something of our chances came down the left hand side. You know, everything, all of our play came down the left. When it wasn't Max Man run down the middle, it was basically come through Richie on the left. And uh, I think sixty four percent of their attacks came down our left hand side as well. So, pretty much the whole game was on Matt, Matt Richie's side of the pitch. And to be I fair, like he's yeah, he's barely kicked a ball all season. The fact that he had the energy to to, to see out that game and, and get that cross in so late is massive. And I don't think you're getting that kind of effort out of any other player in our team. So that was the only other point I wanted to make on Richie. Like he is barely barely kicked a ball all season, and he's he's come in and and given obscene amount of graft over over 180 minutes. Like it's it's incredible. No, I agree. My, my point about Richie is Newcastle basically went to Brighton and did what they did um, and the season was going to go one or two ways. It, you, you could either only get better or continue to get worse. Um, and I don't think it's tactics. I don't think it's, yeah, Maximin and uh, Wilson coming back, Bruce would argue, but I think Matt Ritchie bringing him back into the team has been essential, essential to to the recovery. And we said that on previous podcasts before, uh, the fact we've played this formation most of the season, Richie should have been playing. Should have been playing. It's been a mistake to ostracise him, a mistake to leave him out. Andy Carroll in the team for five or six games, he didn't play Matt Ritchie. These are bad decisions, but it was a good decision by Steve Bruce and his team to bring him back in. And like you correctly say, Norman, um, it's kind of three cheers for everybody because I suppose this is where Bruce maybe does deserve a bit of credit in terms of the time he spent in the game and the relationship you have with players. You know, If you call your manager a coward in training, there's, there's not a lot of coming back from that for for a lot of players with a lot of managers, but he does seem to be able to bring people together, I suppose. Um, it's kind of a backhanded compliment, this, but a compliment nonetheless. Uh, Norman, you want to talk about two other players? Um, you know, size mentioned that much of the play was down the left yesterday. It wasn't one of Jacob Murphy's finer performances. Uh, he did nearly score, probably should have scored. Um, but, you know, you've got him and Freddy Fernandez, who are, who are both reportedly in talks for new contracts. What do you make of that, mate? Well, look, Murphy wasn't particularly brilliant yesterday. I don't think he was necessarily poor. Um, what I do like about him is even if he's not having the greatest game, he still has the drive and the energy to attack, right? I mean, we saw that shot that Johnson cleared off the lane, which ultimately led to Richie putting the cross in for the winner, right? That was that was Murphy's ability to basically, in a late stage of a game, when he's, you know, he's been under quite a lot of pressure from the opposition in that second off to still have the energy, much like, much like, much like Matt Ritchie, both very, very fit players, right? But uh, obviously what Murphy has as well is the pace. Um, and I think he's not scared to take a pop. And we saw that again yesterday. We've seen it in the games that he's played. And I think, again, it it's all circumstance, right? I think 
as much as Javier Manquillo might give you a bit more defensive stability right now with the three centre-halves. We don't necessarily need more defensive stability. What we need is an attacking threat. So what again, what Murphy may, we may lose in defensive ability, same with Richie, we gain more from going forward. And when we're playing three centre-halves and those centre-halves are good defenders, which I think Fernandez, Dummett and Clark all are, right? They're solid defenders, right? I think we can we can kind of get away with it. Um, and obviously on Fernandez again, another big player, another big personality being brought back in when we've been in desperate situation. In a desperate situation, Fernandez is an incredibly experienced centre half, um, and you can tell, right? You can just you can just tell again he's he's one of those players I would say is a bit of a leader on the pitch. And you know, there's a couple of incidents yesterday. I think Lingard he, he got right up in Lingard's face immediately within about twenty minutes. I don't know if you remember seeing it, but basically. Ling, Lingard kicked off a little bit at Fernandez going through on him, and Fernandez just, you know, gave him a look that said, Aye, aye, mate, <laughs> leave it out. And he did. And, and, you know, and Lingard was incredibly quiet yesterday. And you look at all those West Ham games that he's been scoring the goals in, right? Or he scored yesterday, but it was a pen. He didn't get anything. All those games, he has just been darting straight through the middle, darting straight through the middle. That's where he's been getting his goals at West Ham. That didn't happen yesterday because you had players who were willing to basically. Just you know, get stuck into him a little bit, and I think I just think it put a bit of um, a bit of fear into him. So uh, Murphy and Fernandez, look, while Steve Bruce is here as manager, which is definitely for next season, likelihood is he'll sign a new contract as long as Mike as long as Mike Ash is in charge, as long as Bruce is keeping the Premier League. I don't see any reason why that's going to change, right? That's that's reality. So uh, if Steve Bruce is manager Newcastle, what are well, like what are our sort of limits on who we can bring in? Is it worth giving Jake and Murphy and Freddie Fernandez another contract? Fernandez for a year, Murphy for two years, let's say, because of his age. Um, the way we've got to look at it is if they leave will we bring in better players I genuinely don't think that we will so in terms of the squad squad um, strength I think it's probably worth them signing again and, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be disheartened I may be a bit disheartened in the sense that it means that Bruce is going to be here and you know we've we've kind of set the bar for our limit for our, for our ambition but at the same time I think those two players whilst Bruce is here could, could be good you know good assets Yeah I just want to come in it's, it's an interesting point you say on um, Murphy as well I mean his Newcastle career was done it seemed um, and I suppose this is one of the one of the things you could give a bit of credit to, to Bruce for is is that he's he's brought him in and he's he's he's, he's produced for, for this team um, I, I think it's a it's a problem position we've had for a while I mean we've, we've never had a, a solid defensive right back um, the last few years I mean Yedlin was great going forward put port at the back Mankio decent going forward, decent at the back, but there was always sort of um, issues there. And, and I think what he's found in Murphy is someone that actually gives you a real attacking output and in, in, in he's in his adequate defensively. I mean, I still think you'd rather get a proper right back in or or someone that can can do the defensive work. But I think Murphy gives us more than, than the other options that had. And um, I, I think this is one of the things where, obviously when he was brought in by Rafa, I think Rafa obviously saw there was potential there for him to, to be a good player and, and probably be kind of the outlet that he is now. Um, it just, for whatever reason, didn't work out. Um, he, he couldn't settle in the side. Um, obviously, he, he played under Bruce at, at Sheffield, I think, um, for a period. And and I guess it's it's one of those things where... Um, like he's, he's he's come in and, and he has he has produced some some big performances some big goals. I mean that that goal last week um, against Burnley was was massive. Um, and I, I think you, you spot on. I think he's turned his career around. I would I'd, if you'd have said it was before the season, is Murphy going to be here next year? I'd have said no chance. Like there's there's nothing for him to offer. Whereas actually showing in this season that he, there, there is plenty there left in the tank. And um, 
it's interesting that he's, he's, his twin brother obviously had a big impact at Cardiff when he first came in and, and we were all saying, oh, well, maybe he's got the wrong one. But you look at what Murphy's done this season in terms of, of, of his impact on this team and, and he scored some big, big goals. I mean, that, that one against Wolves to, to nick a point for us from out of nowhere and, and obviously that Billy goal last weekend. And he, he just gives us a, 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 an attacking threat and it's the pace. I think that's one of the things we've always said about Newcastle was we lack real pace in the team. Um, and by bringing in someone like him, he, he he's injected that back back into the team along with Maximan. I think that's where we we, we can really hurt teams. Yeah, uh, well said, lads. And I think the issue maybe with Fernandez is does he want to keep signing one year extensions at this stage of his career? He's thirty two now, be thirty three next season. You know, he, he's probably if you look at Modi Army who 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 left because he wanted, you know a three, four-year contract to see out his career. You can't blame players for that. You know, they've only got a couple of years left of earning the kind of money that they do. Uh, but I, I totally agree with you. It's absolutely spot on on, on every on every level because I think it's nice It's nice to have, you know, players like like Murphy, like Mankio, um, for, for genuine squad, you know, squad squad rotation and squad depth. I think, I think we've said it a lot this season. I think this squad is way better than its league position currently suggests. I want to talk about Joe Willock. Um, ben Walker, I'll come to you on this one. First of all, from me, I thought his header was superb. Technically brilliant to get the power uh, on it. It's twice now. I mean, he's, he's basically won Newcastle um, at least <laughs> at least three points because of the point against Spurs and then um, three points yesterday. You also have to look at the fact that he was an excellent signing in January. You know, credit where it's due. We're slate Newcastle United in the recruitment regularly on this show, and I say it myself, so you have to give credit where it's due, that going all out to get him in January was an excellent decision. Um, ben Bruce says he's the kind of player you want to build a club around. Maybe that kind of pad. I don't know whether Bruce puts this much thought <laughs> in the post-match interviews. Maybe that's the first step in the kind of suggestions we might try and sign him permanently. It, it's unlikely because apparently we're skint and I, I can't see the lad wanting to make the move. But, you know, parking that for now, Bruce says he's the kind of player you want to build a club around. Do you think that's a bit of an odd thing to say when you won't start him? I was just about to say, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, brilliant, but you don't even have the confidence to put him in for, for 90 minutes in your team. It's a, it's a strange one. Um, I think it's, it's probably, again, a reflection of, of the point I made at the beginning about... Um, Sort of the, the 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 moments in games, and I think he he came on. It's interesting. Sai said he probably would have would have had on earlier. I think he came on with such energy, and I mean that that goal is just we haven't got anybody else in the squad that that scores that goal. We don't have another midfielder that's arriving late at times, and and he really attacks that, and he did it again against Spurs the other day as well. Um, it 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 just brings us something that nobody else in the, in the team has, and he's got great energy. And I think as well, you've got to it's it's interesting. You, Kind of, you go two ways with those that sort of Arsenal system where you, you have a lot of players that come out that are almost too arrogant, I suppose, and probably think they've kind of already made it and, and don't really go on and they drop down the leagues or, or don't really go anywhere. Whereas he's one that kind of he's, he's played, I mean, he's, he's played for Arsenal for a couple of seasons. Obviously, he's, he's been getting game time, not obviously regular, but he's clearly got something about him for them to rate him enough to, to have to keep him around. Um, and I think it's just him getting getting those opportunities. And I think when he came to Newcastle, he probably was expecting to be playing every game, and that hasn't quite worked out for him. So, from his standpoint, I don't see him sticking around. He's not if he cannot play. If if Bruce isn't starting him every game, why why would he, he stay? He, he would have been expecting to to play constantly. But um, from our point of 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 um, 
perspective, I, I think you've you've got to be looking at any way you can because, as I say, he just gives you something completely different to everyone else. He's got energy to get box to box. Um, I've just seen Norman there, and I, that's exactly where my head went. It was a Gary Speed esque sort of arriving late bullet header, um, and we just don't we don't have anyone that that can transition both sides of the game. All of our midfielders are pretty much good at one thing. Um, and there's there's nobody that's kind of a jack of all trades that can do a bit of everything. Whereas Will, Willick looks like he's got that. He's he's played that kind of defensive sitting role for Arsenal in the past. I've I've seen it when when he's when with the obviously they've come up, up here and there played. Um, he, he's he's shown with us. He, he was playing in the head of the diamond as kind of some weird sort of false ten nine whatever you want to call it. Um, but he, he's he's always been effective in, in whatever he's done, and, and the fact that he's he's adding goals from midfield. I mean, I know Shelby was top scorer last season, but a lot of that was was dead ball ball goals. Um, he, he's someone that actually will get you goals from midfield, and and I, I just think it's it's something where um, we really really lack um, and anywhere else. So if, if if I was in involved in Newcastle at all, I'd, I'd definitely be doing going all out, everything you can to, to get a player like to stay. Quickly on that. Do you know what I like about Willock, and this is such a rarity, I think, in centre midfielders, especially at Newcastle, is that he's quick, he's pacey, right? I mean, how how often do you see a really fast centre midfielder, and how often have we seen one at Newcastle? I genuinely kind of recall a centre midfielder who I would who I would label fast, um, possibly Kieran Dyer when he was playing in the centre. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was he was excellent and very very. He's excellent. That, that, it's, that burst, it? it's that bursting through, right? So the potential is obviously there. And, and um, Alex, you mentioned Jack Grealish before, right? One of Grealish's major strengths, he's a centre midfielder and he's quick, right? And I think and obviously the, the way the game is now, having that that ability to to, to do what Willard can is it's really important. I guess the question is, is whether he would see moving to Newcastle under Steve Bruce as a positive step for his career in terms of his development as a player. Um, it's whether or not he would look at Newcastle and think, all right, which players have actually improved at that club over the last two years? Um, and if he then can then convince himself it will be a good move for him, then 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 maybe I think you know you'd be looking at what 20 25 million, which is still quite a bit big amount of money to spend on a player who has got like a limited career in the Premier League. But ultimately, I think with with the gifts that he's got under the right tutelage, he could be an absolutely phenomenal player. And I'd love to see him in your wrestle, obviously. I, I think just going back to the original point, that he does look like a player you could build, build the team around. It's just we don't utilize him in that, we don't utilize him enough to. to back up that statement so it's a bit of a strange one but I suppose at least Bruce recognises he's, he's got talent but instead he builds a team around the polar opposite central midfielder he has instead and has made <laughs> captain it's it's really strange um, I, I thought we were crying out for Joe Willock's energy when the game was slipping 55 minutes 60 minutes yes they were coming down the right a lot but they were also just overpowering us in midfield uh, long staff for, for his improved performances, looked like he, he was blowing. Uh, he was running on fumes by 60 minutes. Could easily have come off a bit earlier. Failing that, he could have just put um, taken Shelby off and put Willock on. So Longstaff had some help because he was running around so much. And Shelby really didn't leave that kind of... If you move the centre circle back 10 yards, that was his circle. He didn't really go anywhere else. Um, so I think um, the the... The fact he only got 10 minutes is, is another strange one. And, and oddly enough, it's worked again in terms of the, the substitute appeared to come at the right time. So it's really hard to, to kind of suggest he should have been on earlier when he literally won as the game when he did come on. But I just think, I, I don't really understand why he's not getting longer. And it's because Shelby seems to be undroppable. Um, and, you know, I'm glad to see he's finally relented with Longstaff, who's been pretty much ostracised, both Longstaffs. 
he's, he's finally recognised that actually Sean Longstaff is capable of playing Premier League centre you know, mid at Premier League level um, and needs to run in the team because he, he every time he's been thrown in out of the blue, out of the cold, he's been a bit rusty. But if he gets a run and gets his fitness up again, he's a much better centre midfielder and I think people are giving him credit. And uh, Willock can almost compliment him because Longstaff can do the Shelby job. He can pick up the ball deep. He can p- find a pass. He can put his foot on it and just take the sting out of the game. But um, he can also move forward and back and get around the pitch and, and do that job that, that Shelby doesn't really do most of the time. But yes, he, he does sometimes have a good defensive game, but most of the time he, he's he's the John Joe Shelby that we have come to know for five years now. So a bit odd. Um, and, and, and I'm in a state of utter confusion as to when the right time would have been to bring Wellick on. But feel like we might not have been in the position of needing the winning goal had he just come on half an hour earlier. Got to give credit to Brucey. We slag him off all the time for his tactical nose. What did he say to Joe well, a couple weeks ago? Run around and score a goal. And yet again, if it keeps, <laughs> happening, if it keeps happening, you've got to say it, it's working. Um, the kind of stuff, the kind of football language that us mere mortals can't understand, the work that goes into these things. <laughs> Um, really quickly, I want to make a broader point at the end about Newcastle United at the minute. Uh, lads, anyone, Norman, I'll, t- I'll come to you, mate. Uh, you were impressed by Big Joe yesterday. Impressed? You know, you're setting us up there, aren't you, without use of that word, right? Impressed. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I never said that. I said he had a kind of game, but uh, Reid, look, Joe Linton yesterday, right? He scored a goal. It's his second goal in three games. Um, he didn't uh, look absolutely out of the game. In fact, I think in the first half, he was involved quite a lot. If you look at the winning goal, he played a part right in the winning goal in terms of his movement. And he was, he did, he did play a bit more like a, a kind of centre forward yesterday in the sense that, you know, he was, he was laying, he was laying the ball off. Obviously he got Dawson sent off, right? I mean, two bad tackles from Dawson on Julian and because he had the confidence to run with the ball, which is something that we haven't seen. And I think, I think there is a bit of confidence there at the minute and it's making a difference. And I'm not saying he's a world beater, right? Yesterday, he was a 7 out of 10 yesterday, right? Now, we've very rarely seen 7 out of 10 performances from him. So for me, if if that's the kind of performance he can put in consistently between now and the end of the season, the next five or six games, then sound, absolutely sound. You know, like he mightn't be as utterly atrocious as as I've thought that he, you know, that that he is. There's, There's a... There's, there's ability there, and I was just happy. Like, I was happy to see him play well yesterday. Um, so I, I, and and look, do I think, um, do I think he's going to all of a sudden turn into a really good Premier League striker and get like double figures in goals? I didn't, I didn't think that, right? Um, and I'd love to be proved wrong. And I guess the next five or six games towards the end of the season, if he can bang in two or three more goals, that's really positive. So I happy, happy for him. I think. The, the the odd thing is, and we've all lamented Joe Linton getting as many starts as he has, and most of the times I think we were right because most of the formations we've played don't suit him at all. There's not a position in there that works for him. He, we have all agreed that his better performances, and by better, as you've said, Norman, the 7 out of 10s, the, 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 the better-than-average performances, uh, have come when he's been part of a front two, and oddly enough, he never would have thought the front two with Max Mann would be the one to get this kind of performance out of him, but it does kind of work because... He doesn't get crowded out in the way that um, he did when he was playing up front on his own. So easily marked out the game and so easily just made into a null threat. Um, but because Max Mann's our main threat, it gave him a bit more space. It means they weren't worrying much about him and he was able to take a touch. And I feel like when he starts a game like that, his confidence grows and then he, he feels 
able to take a touch turn, get forward of the ball, bring teammates into the game. And as an all-round footballer, I think he is better than Dwight Gale. I'll show you his Alex. I think he's a better footballer than Dwight Gale. He's not, uh, you know, a, 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 a goal scorer. He's not a, a poacher like Gale. And he probably, over the course of a season for most teams, wouldn't score as many. But as an all-round footballer, his touch, his strength, his kind of, he knows what he wants to be doing. Um, and with confidence, he seems to be capable of doing a job. But there's no, in the majority of games, especially in the majority of games that we play and the formations we play, there isn't a position for him. So I still think the jury's out in terms of, is it really worth sticking with him? Are we going to get enough out of him to justify persisting? But certainly that role he played yesterday worked and he was the best option out of what we have available, assuming Callum Wilson can't yet play half a game. Um, to, to to play that sixty minutes and he and he did it very well. All good points, lads. I'll finish off on Joe Linton by saying I would like to see him play the rest of the season. If we can keep people fit, it will be really interesting to see a settled team. But the problem is, is where does St. Maximan play? Um, if if Joe Linton and Wilson play together, so it's likely that Joe Linton drops from the side. Listen, he was involved in all three goals yesterday. Um, you can't ask for much more than that from a player in the Premier League. What worries me about him is. I thought second half he was really poor. Uh, he was lax in possession, and he was he was no different to anyone else in that respect. If that makes sense, because everyone was poor in the second half, so, so fair enough. But what I'm looking for when he gets these goals and when these good things happen, you're almost hoping uh, against logic that right there's five percent more to come. You know, each game. But I think I think you two lads have both agreed there that it kind of he is what he is. There are good aspects to his play. It's how. How often we're going to see them and how often they're going to influence games in the Premier League is probably not. It's certainly not enough for 40 million, but that's not his fault. It's probably not enough to, to be a top 10 team in the Premier League. But there we go. It positive. He's, a, he's, a pro- he's like a project, isn't he? Somebody that you would you would have loved to have maybe had at 17 or 18 with these physical attributes and things and, and developing and developing. And, and, um, I suppose as well as this, it's the Premier League is a really, really tough place to play, completely different to where he'll have been used to. So the, the, there is that adaption. I mean, I, I still think the, ju- the jury's still out there, as you as you say. I mean, yes, there's there's been some improvements, but I, I still not sure it's enough to justify him being a Premier League player. Um, and that that's as you say, that's the concern: is that can he be consistent enough to play for a Premier League team that needs needs everything every week? I mean, the, the, the problem is, is we're not a team that can carry can carry anybody, and I think that's where we've all felt. We've, we've kind of been handicapped when he's been playing in certain roles this year because he just gives us nothing. But um, if they can find somewhere where he can contribute, then it's 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 an option that we desperately need. I, I still think we can get a lot better, as you say. He, I mean, there was a couple of times yesterday when he put us in some real dangerous positions, losing the ball kind of on the edge of the box and stuff. And there's, there's things there that, you again, it's that development side of, of sort of, I guess, the, the game IQ that he needs to improve. But... Um, as you say, more positives. He's, he's impacting games more so. Um, we, we can't berate him for that. He, he had a positive inf- impact on the game yesterday and, and uh, hopefully there's plenty more of that to come. Gannon, from um, Nagelsmann to Bruce for a young player who needs a bit of work must be a bit of a, a challenge, right? <laughs> Brony, so when they finally get the message from that needs to run around a bit and score a goal. He's, 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 he's probably gone from like a VR to like pa- paper and pad. <laughs> it must be like world, worlds apart. Uh, let's finish off. We're nearly at the end of the show. Let's finish off now. I would like to make a point about the current situation the club finds itself in. Leaving aside takeover talk, um, you know, it looks very, very likely that Bruce is going to be here next season now. Um, 
he's going to have completed the remit of keeping the club up. I mean, I'll say it now. I think the, the, the team are safe. Uh, it would be an extraordinary turnaround from from Fulham to to just say. And then you've got the other two clubs in the mix as well. The fact that we've got Sheffield United to play who who are in free fall, and the fact that I think we could we could you know if we could beat West Ham at home, we could beat Arsenal at home. Um, but but what what what. What a point I would like to make is that I'm sick of I'm sick of this, I'm sick of the the kind of the glory of 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 of, of being kept up. And this isn't a Steve Bruce point, to be fair. This is this is bigger than Steve Bruce. But I, you know, I remember the elation and the relief at the end of the 14-15 uh, season on the last day against West Ham. That you know when we beat Arsenal in seventeen eighteen to kind of get the thirty eight points and stay up. That was a big deal. Rafa came on the pitch. Then when we beat Southampton in eighteen nineteen, that confirmed our Premier League status, and that was a massive deal. And then again last year, I think when we beat Bournemouth, maybe um, or not not Bournemouth, sorry, um, so much Southampton and Sheffield United. I think, Sheffield, took us to, yeah, Sheffield, yeah, Sheffield. You took us to thirty five or thirty eight points, and and that was this big massive thing again. And it's like it's not good enough, you know. And and I see I get comments on social media when they say. Oh, you know, you're never happy. You know, you you were were winning. You criticise were, and it's like, yeah, because because we should be better. We should have, you know, we should play better most weeks. We should do better as a football club. And I feel that, and I can't speak for everyone here, but I feel that there is an acceptance amongst some supporters that you know, stay, and it might be relief more than kind of celebrating staying up. But this idea that. When you win, everything's fine, and when you lose, everything's terrible. It's childish. The fact that you're not supposed to analyze anything beyond the result, and it's like I'm not going to get happy. I'm not. It doesn't make me happy that we've stayed up in the Premier League. It's 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 not something that a club with the resources of Newcastle United and the support of Newcastle United should 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 be pleased about. And yes, the Steve Bruce thing comes into a lot of people. But I just, I just wanted to address that because I feel great win yesterday. Said it at the top of the show, so I don't have to repeat myself on that. Great win, well done, players, well done, manager, well done, Newcastle United, fantastic. But there's, and this is this is where it falls down to me. There's there's a fifth of a season to go, <laughs> or a sixth of a season to go. Still, there's whatever what's there's eighteen points to play for. Let's go and take ten points. Let's go and take twelve points. It shouldn't be. And we had it last season, and Isaac Hayden came out and said it. You almost saw it at half time yesterday. Never seen a team go from being in the depths of a relegation battle to on the beach during a game. And that's what happened. And that's the concern, isn't it? That job done, kept up, see his next season. Like, no, I really want to see Newcastle United push on for the rest of the season. And yeah, so what the hard games? Yes, Manchester City, Liverpool, Leicester, Arsenal, difficult fixtures in the Premier League. So. So what? Go and go and compete, go and play well, go and win them. But this, I this, you know, I'm already calling it out for next season. If Bruce is still going to be here and Ashley's still going to be here, this idea that we should celebrate staying up and it's a job well done, it isn't, and it's it's not good enough. I'm sick of it. I I still think we'll be lucky to get to forty points, but we'll probably will, like you said, Sheffield United's probably three points, and if Fulham are already relegated, the likelihood is that that, that game becomes much easier for us. Um, so yeah, we might get to the low forties again, and like you say, that's nothing to be excited about. I do sympathise a little bit with, and I presume that most of the the noise you're talking about, Alex, comes from a slightly younger generation of fan who 
don't get to celebrate anything else. You know, we've all watched Newcastle and they've been crap for a large part of our life, but we have seen good times and we've had some really enjoyable seasons and had some good celebrations and good ends to seasons and, and cup runs in Europe. Um, some, you know, lads in their early 20s haven't had any of that. The, the only time they get to enjoy Newcastle winning and it having any meaning is when it's to stay up. So I sympathise with that group of people who just sort of, they are almost, and I've seen some of the comments on, on social media saying, like, have a day off and, you know, just enjoy it. And, you know, we don't get to have any fun anymore. And that's, that's right, we don't. Um, the fact that we're a little bit older and um, wiser, so to speak, uh, that we don't enjoy uh, winning one week and then go back to hating it the next week when we when we lose and embarrass ourselves. It's it's obviously a sign of maturity. It's it, we, we, you know we're not we're not young lads anymore. But I can sympathise with the section of people who do want to just detach from the reality and then just enjoy the moment for what it is. But I agree that it's tiring, so tiring doing it over and over and over again. And it's pointless. Um, I, I thought, and I, I, if we've got time, I would like to talk about Bruce's post match, uh, and I know you would as well, Norman. Um, is that instead of talking about uh, the the hard work that's been put into turning the season round, he just made it all about kind of the, the sympathy votes and uh, um, the the fact that he's been lumbered by injuries and stuff. It wasn't about, you know, we've worked really hard, we've turned it around, I've got to give loads of credit to my players, we're going to really kick on now and try and do, you know, there was none of that, none of that positive, none of what you've just said, Alex, about why don't we try and make something of these last six games. It was like, in his head, he's like, well, it's pretty much job done and I told you that uh, when we had players missing, it was going to be hard and now that I've got my key players back, it's been a bit easier for me. Me, 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 me. Nothing about what, what, what Newcastle's going to be for the next five to six weeks. So, um, not to mention, and I think I point out to you, is the, just the outright lies. So, um, in his own words, uh, we have only had Maximan available for 12 games a season to start. He started 19. That might have been his 20th start yesterday. That's not like a couple of games out and a bit, and a, a bit, um, a bit of a mistake. That's just lying. Maxman started nearly twice as many games as he's suggesting. It's it's all narrative about the fact that he's been really unfortunate. It's all meant to um, back up the fact that Newcastle have only had a hard season because we've been lumbered by bad luck and injuries. When in actual fact, that's not the case at all. And uh, we shouldn't be talking about him. That press conference was an opportunity to not make it about him, and, and all he did was make it about him. But Norman, I'm sure you've got some further comments to make here. I think you both made really good points, and I think. I, I, like you say, I do understand why people are saying things like have a night off, have a day off or whatever. But ultimately, it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? The fact is that we can appreciate a win, enjoy a win, but at the same time, question, you know, what, what happens like around that win? You know, the, the, the absolute lack of ambition, regardless of a win, that absolute lack of ambition doesn't just disappear with that win. You can't just forget about the state of the club because we won a game, right? You can You can really, really enjoy the win in that moment, but at the same time, why can you not also continue to question the the lack of ambition that, that comes out of the club? I, I don't see, I don't see a problem there personally. Um, and you know, like this isn't necessarily wanting to to end on a negative, but I think it has to be spoken about ultimately. Um, Bruce's comments. So those people kicking off on social media saying just enjoy it and celebrate and like avoiding relegation, like it's it's something phenomenal, right? Um, the fact is that. That message that is coming out of the club is kind of framing their thoughts to a certain extent. This, this Bruce yesterday, you mentioned his post-match comments. He, he says, and he said it twice because he obviously does interviews with different, you know, different journalists, different TV stations. So in one of them, he said, this job should come with a government health warning. In the other, he says, 
it comes with a go it comes with a government health warning this job with this club there's always a sting in the tail there always seems to be a drama like personally i'm like i'm i'm absolutely sick of hearing like these comments um it's it's creating a narrative well it's newcastle what do you expect it's it's like no no hold on like you're in charge of the team you know like it's not like it's not like we're under this like um this curse and you're battling against this kind of you know demonic curse and what you're doing is absolutely incredible and it's newcastle so i'm already starting from a a, a position where i've got this curse hanging on me it's it's really it's really sickening and i just think you know like as you say, Sai, yesterday was the opportunity to come out and say, you know what, I'm really proud of the lads. Um, we've picked up fantastically well lately. We're going to give it everything between now and the end of the season. Um, really pleased with the individual performances, the team collective, all, all of that. But instead, talking about the club basically being cursed in it, about it being, being the impossible job, it's it's infuriating, right? Um, or is it just me? No, no, I mean, I have... I keep telling myself I've got to stop watching him after the game because even when we win, if you watch him speak... It makes you angry because of because there's no there's no positivity comes out of what he says. There's nothing. It's just it's just his personal relief at and his personal vendetta against the club of Newcastle United. It seems like you say it's he's basically saying he's not doesn't enjoy the job. It's too hard, and this is a bit of a respite from the otherwise miserable job that he's he's got. Well, we'll leave it then, Steve. Just if you're not going to enjoy that and, and take the opportunity to have a bit of positivity and. Answer questions differently, then. Then what's the point? What, what's the point of what you're doing? I, I just don't understand it. It's uh, it feels like we should be yeah. grateful, right? It, it, it feels that those kind of comments make it feel like we should be grateful for his management of this club. Whereas actually, it's like, no, no, mate, you should be absolutely buzzing and incredibly grateful that you've got a job at this club, which is like a huge club that hasn't had success for years, but still, you know, when fans are allowed back in, gets a huge following. Like this is. This is like the greatest opportunity of your life as a manager. Like, wow, man, embrace it. Didn't see it. Didn't didn't focus on after winning the game as well. How the job's cursed. It's just silly, right? I mean, the the, the reality is that the curse is his employer, but he he never comes out and criticizes that, does he? It's it's always appears the picture he's painting. He won't come out and say it, but it, he's talking about the fans and the the hysteria that he's he's mentioned before. Um, when the reality is, is it's it's the people that he's. He's working for, and as a result of that, is, is an accomplice with really. Um, but that that point seems to be lost on him, I guess. Well said, lads. We'll finish it there. Steve Bruce, if he goes and beats Liverpool and Man City, I'll crowd from the statue myself <laughs> or something like that. Uh, but a great, a, a good weekend for Newcastle United. Bring it back to to to, to, to the positives because there were positives yesterday. We've talked about them. Um, you know. Massive win, good win against a good side. And, and like I said earlier, let's see where it can take us from here. Let's see Joe Linton give another 5% against Liverpool or whatever. Let's see what Callum Wilson and St. Maximan can do as a partnership. You know, I think there's a lot of Newcastle fans in, in the northeast and beyond who do what you did yesterday, Norman, and get yourselves to a beer garden next Saturday and uh, and try and watch the game outside. And, and it's the little things in life which matter, isn't it? And Newcastle United are a very big thing in life. And, you know, long... May this run continue. Let's make it four wins in a row next week, as Steve would say. Sorry, that's mental. <laughs> could, could we just say this has got nothing to do with the True Faith podcast? That is your own. <laughs> Aye, right. Thanks for watching. If you've been watching, YouTube, thanks for listening. Uh, if you like what we do, leave a five star review on, on Apple Podcasts if that's your method of listening if you like the stuff on youtube please subscribe to the channel uh we also do lots more podcasts on patreon 
uh, patent platform, which is £5.50 a month uh, for like 16 to 20 extra Newcastle United podcasts. Myself and Norman getting together this week to do a one of our State of Play monthly podcasts. We're looking forward to doing that. So hope, hope you join us on that if you don't already do so. My thanks to you, Ben Sire, Norman. We'll be back, what, next Sunday after Liverpool. Uh, we'll speak to you all then. Cheers. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.